Welcome back to the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And boys, this was the match of the season, hands down. I mean, not just as a Chelsea fan, as a neutral, that was some proper fucking football. Four, I mean, four goals scored apiece, some nasty tackles, some chippy moments. I loved every moment of this match um even the moments when we were when we were down because this team played phenomenally every single player who stepped on the pitch for chelsea was up for it and last last episode we were really negative in a win and today we're going to be positive in a draw so um (laughs) I'm gonna start it off by introducing my one of my co-hosts, Andreas. How are you feeling, man? Uh, this was a hell of a match, huh? Is Andreas frozen? No, I'm. I, I, you froze when you said my name. That's my mistake, guys. I'm great. That was so enjoyable. The past seven days of watching Chelsea has been absolutely nuts. I'm. This is what I want to see, like. Monday to Sunday, night and day in terms of what I want to see from a Chelsea team. It was it's just crazy. I'll take I'll take that four point week any day. Yeah, Zach. How are you doing? Well, it's a special occasion. I busted out the 15 year for all my whiskey lovers. Ooh. Red Breast 15, my go-to celebratory drink. Um no man, listen, that was um I think I shaved maybe five or six years off of my lifespan by watching that match. Um, but I would I would go even further, Sam. I don't even think it was the best game of the season. I think it was the best game in the last 24 months. I mean, when was the last time we played that? I can't remember the last time I celebrated a tackle, winning that many tackles. Like, yeah, every single challenge, I was off of my ass and you know screaming in my apartment. So zero complaints from what the boys put out. I thought we were mm-hmm. gonna get smacked and. Uh, we actually smacked them around for long periods of the match. We, so we nice. haven't celebrated a goal against Man City since Kai Havertz rounded Ederson. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And that was the last goal Kai Havertz scored, scored probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, when I said that this was the match of the season, I'm not talking about the Premier about League match most, of the season. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was oh, the for most sure. entertaining for the neutrals. I'm like, I'm sure every, I mean, what a treat for the neutrals. That was fucking awesome. Um, I want to argue that we have three of the five matches of the season. I argue that the yeah, Arsenal, Liverpool. the Tottenham, and this oh. and oh. shit, even Liverpool. the Liverpool match yeah. put four. Yeah, yeah we. It's crazy because we have taken points from all of the top three teams, um, which is insane. We're top four right now because yeah, uh, yeah, we took we've taken Tottenham, points from Arsenal, all... Liverpool. Yeah, City. yeah, yeah. Wow. So we, we are undefeated. We are undefeated against the top four, and at one point or another, they were each at the top of the table when they faced us, completely undefeated. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, that's that's cool because two two matches in a row we play against the team that's on top of the table, and both times we get a positive result. I mean, the the crazy thing is, 
we went into this stretch of matches like with a legitimate fear that we would end like like starting with the the Spurs match and ending with I I'll say United which is like I think in four matches like we had a legitimate fear that we could pick up zero points in those like five six match stretch and we've already picked up four in the first two so you know I I, I am not one to celebrate draws to be honest like I think that's a small small club kind of thing but this was just, just the circumstance of the season. I mean, we're in fucking 10th place, guys. Like, we have to celebrate what we can. Um, I think I remember uh, last pod saying, when we, because we were kind of hesitant about the predictions, and I think I remember saying something along the lines of, as long as we compete and, like, put up a performance mm-hmm. that we could be proud of, I yeah. think they gave us even more than that. Sam, I, I know it's a small club thing to celebrate a draw, but, like, the reality is we're a mid-table club right now, so this is as good exactly, as three yeah. points in my book. That's exactly what I said. I yeah. Mean, like, the circumstances of how far we've come in the past two years, like, the best thing about today is it's finally, like, we're seeing things come together, and then after the international break, hopefully we're getting Nkunku back, um, and that's, I think, we're going to be the the turning point of the season. I mean, we're, what, 10 points back from from uh top four top five so i mean it's it's still like a, it, it's, it's going to be a hard task to push up there so I, w- I won't necessarily say like that is like the goal right now but but it's but like, in the, on the way down. there i do want to say on the way there we face all those teams above us in the next yeah. three matches right it's newcastle brighton united so those are three point swings each week mm-hmm all right, let's uh let's start off by uh going through the lineup. So in goal, Robert Sanchez again. Um in the back four we had Reese James, Axel DeSassi, Tiago Silva, and Mark Kukurea. Then in the midfield, Enzo and Caicedo as the double pivot. Then we had Sterling, Gallagher, and Colt Palmer, Burr, um, and uh Nico Jackson up front. Um so I mean, I I think this is definitely at the moment our best eleven. Maybe I I think the only player that I would maybe switch out is Axel DeSassi for Badia Shiel, but I think that he's not a hundred percent fit. Um, so that's the only change I would make. I mean, obviously, you know, considering the injuries and I think Levi was injured. I don't, I, I still haven't heard anything. Yeah. I think he picked up a knock he, just before the match. It was a shoulder, some shoulder knock right before the match. Yeah. So, um, considering that I, I was really happy with the 11. So initial reactions, um, we got a couple, uh, initial reactions from twitter um this first one is from russell saunders at mr mel bachels in oz he said despite the win earlier in the week i feared that when we conceded so early in the second half that it was going to go tits up i'm very happy to see us get back up off the floor and go toe to toe did you think that we'd score eight goals against those two teams and take four points not i zach what'd i you didn't think? think we were gonna score uh eight goals before the new year <laughs> And uh, lo and behold, it happens yeah. in two matches. I mean, like, <laughs> no, it, it was it was definitely a surprise. Um, I think the most 
positive thing we can kind of take away from those two matches, I would say, is that, you know, I mean, you guys mentioned it. We have probably four of the five most entertaining games of the season against the top four teams. That means that we show up to compete against the big boys, which is the sign of, you know, that these players are up for it, that they're game. So that's the positive I'm taking from all of it. I mean, I'll take the points too. Um, but like I said before, you know, my main thing going into this stretch was I just want to play well. Like I want to just see the team progressively get better. And we're doing that and we're picking up points at the same time. So that's just great. Andres, yeah, want to I, I thought this was going to be kind of like rock bottom in this stretch of games where we were just going to go international break really low. So for it to be the complete opposite coming out of these matches, almost scot-free in terms of injury as well. Like Russell talks about going toe to toe. I did not see us trying to outpress city, try to outpass city. And I believe we outshot them. So to put in a performance like that and to be so brave in the approach, I think was fantastic. I did not expect it. I thought we were going to park the bus and pray for one chance sort of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, extremely, extremely surprised and, and pleased with, with how we ended up approaching the match. Yeah. I mean, the build up play was fucking amazing. I mean, it was, it was definitely the best that I've seen all season long. Um, I, I, the one thing is like, you know, we did get another question from black emoji. I don't know where it went, but, um, you know, he asked like, did you expect Chelsea to play the way they did? Did you think we could go toe to toe with the likes of Spurs or city? And, um, and you know, this, this has been an issue for us where we play well against the good teams and we have trouble breaking down, you know, like teams that sit with a low block or, you know, five, you know, five in the back or something like that. Like city, obviously like, you know how they play. Like when, when, when we get the ball back um, from them, they have two center backs or two players back, you know, the, the, they have a center back and a, and a left back, like move up into the midfield pretty much um so like a lot of times when you get the ball back it's it's pretty it's pretty open um and i just think that that plays well into what potch is trying to do so if we're able to figure it out against the the teams that sit back and you know like just have wait for us to try to break them down it's it's not happening unfortunately but I mean, what what did you did, do? You guys have any thoughts on that? Um, I don't know. Does anyone, yeah, Zach. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with Andy and you on this one. I think the the tactics were absolutely spot on from Poch. If if you know, we talk about the players putting their best performance. I also think Pochettino had his best performance as a manager as well, in terms of the way he initially set up, um, and also the substitutions that he made made a huge impact on the game. But like to talk more about the tactical side, I mean, Sam, you mentioned that. They have that auxiliary midfielder that steps in from the back line. And in this case, it was a kanji. Normally, it's John Stones. And I think we probably would have been in a little bit more trouble if Stones was playing in that position because, you know, he's made that his own over the last couple months. But, um, you know, just the way we press their back three um, when they would turn the ball over, the way that we wouldn't give Rodri any time on the ball. I mean, Gallagher and Cole Palmer were pretty much 
marking him out of the game uh, for most of it. And, you know, I know there's a lot of praise going Rodri's way and what was it? 17 wins for club and country in all the matches he started this year, something like that. He really didn't look that great against us. And it wasn't because he had a bad game. I think it's more to what we set out to do. Connor Gallagher and Cole Palmer basically shadowing him the entire time. And it really forced Man City to build out through a kanji, which worked at times, but obviously the guy doesn't have the same range of passing. He's not as familiar in the midfield positions either. So, you know, it, it was just a very well thought out performance, a well executed performance. And, you know, I think Chelsea kind of gave a little blueprint to the rest of the Premier League in terms of, you know, if you want to play against City, sitting back against them doesn't necessarily work anymore because, I mean, they have four or five players that can break a low block down. But if you're going to press them high and force their center backs to be their main primary playmakers and providers, you're you're going to be in business. You'll have a chance. So, you know, I think uh, I think Poch sort of unlocked the little code for the rest of the Premier League with uh, the way we set up there. I won't be surprised if some other teams this season try to mimic um, in one way or another, you know, some of our tactics from this match. They they play Liverpool next, so we'll get to see that. It's a yeah, the battle we'll of the top of the table. Thing. Yeah. Um, I I just wanted to touch on what you said earlier. Like we usually play well against the good teams, but the reality is in the last three years, our record against the top six is atrocious. And Mm -hmm. I believe we've already gotten more points against the top six after playing just four of those. What is it? Six, five times with 10 matches. We've already outperformed our team in the past two seasons against the top six. So for me, it's, it's not just that we played well. I don't, I, at this point, I'm just glad we're getting the results. We're finally doing that part. Like we earned the three points at Spurs. We, like I mentioned earlier, we are we're one win, three draws, zero losses against the top six in what's supposed to be a season where we should be tallying losses time and time again against the top six, based on where we were last year, based where everybody else's clubs are at. So for us to go from we. The narrative from being like Chelsea was lucky to draw Liverpool and Arsenal to Chelsea now outperforms Spurs and City. That's how I'm gauging the 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 growth of this team and, and what Poch is trying to do. Um, on the tactical side, our buildup, we've talked about it time and time again. What I enjoy about it is that it's not a a set of pattern plays. If you look at our, our tape and you watch the buildup, this isn't Poch saying you pass to him, he passes to him, and that's the pattern that gets us out. It's these are the kind of spaces we want to get out of trouble through. You guys need to be like you put the responsibility back onto the creative players how to get out of it. There's times where we build out and it it's a connection from left side to the right. Sometimes it's it stays on the right and it's Palmer uh, and and Reese connecting a couple times to get out of it. Sometimes it's straight through the middle. Reese cutting into the, or not Reese, excuse me, Sterling going towards the middle and then finding Palmer who is tucked in. We are now creating the the connections between players that aren't, again, it's not a Robert, Robert Deserby, you know exactly where the ball goes next because that's exactly what he's telling you to do situation. And that to me is so, so important to break down these teams that are going to come and press us. It didn't look as well against Spurs, but for it to seven days later look like this against City, I think that's it's only going to get better and better. And that's where I'm at with this whole performance. But how about like 
us, our inability to break down a low block. Like I, I felt like our build-up play today was the best, or yesterday was the best that I've seen all season long. And I don't know what the reason for that was, whether it was the way that city were set up or whether it's just the team becoming more familiar with each other, you know, like knowing what kind of runs they need to make now. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, like, because it, it wasn't like just our starting 11, like, like even when like Malagusto came in for Reese James, like he was running to all the right spots. Um, they, they like a lot of the buildup was happening through him on that right side as well. Um, like I, I, I really, I mean, did you, what do you guys or Andreas? I'll start off with you. Like, yeah. Do you think anything of that? No, I, I think that in terms of unlocking a low block, I think that's going to be a little different just because we will need Nico Jackson to do kind of what he did today when he scored. He has to be ready for anything in the box for that sort of thing to happen. So when Connor Gallagher shoots, this is the first time I've seen Nico Jackson pounce on a mistake. Like he was ready. He's like, something's going to happen and I need to be there. So when it comes to the low blocks, I think there comes to two things. You need to have willing runners, which Reese and Malaguso are. And I think Potch is unleashing, like un un not unleashing, um, sort of letting go of the shackles that he's had on these fullbacks a lot this season. But then you talk about like, oh, you've seen it even with the subs. I wanted to point out Mudrick's role in the goal, in the, in the Nico Jackson goal. Mudrick didn't just do his usual thing where he runs straight at the fullback and he wants the ball in behind. He was patient enough to get it in, in the spaces between midfield and, and defense, control it, and he didn't look to just go ahead and take someone 1v1. He looked for passing first, and that led to the space that eventually was Connor's shooting space. So I think that this team is finally like we needed a, a match like Spurs to get the confidence that we can go toe to toe with the big guys for these young kids to be like, okay, this is what our manager has been telling us to do all along rather than going back to your, let's just spam crosses or I'm good at one V one. So I'm just going to try to dribble everyone in front of me like that sort of thing. And so to me, credit to, the players for finally believing in themselves, but also credit to Potts for finally getting them to, to understand what he's going for. I think, again, it makes it a lot easier when Reese James is out there. I, and we'll get to individual performances, but when a 19-year-old can watch the best right back in the world, show him the path to success, and then he comes in for 20 to 30-minute cameos to duplicate that as best as his ability, like, I'll take that any day. Yeah. And just to kind of add to your point, Andres, I think the the overarching theme that we're starting to see here is that we have a we I think we have a settled eleven, and now we're in the next phase of our adaptation where we're starting to have a settled bench or settled impact players that come off the bench. You know, this little formula of playing Reese James an hour, give it to me every single match. Yep. Let Malo Gusto run around the last 20, 30 minutes. He has the energy to do it. He's good on both sides of the pitch. Obviously, you know, I don't trust Reese. You know, regardless of what the club says, I don't think there's a four, five, six match stretch where I think Reese is going to stay healthy and play all 90 minutes of every single match. I think those days are long gone now. So managing Reese, that's key. I think Mudrick as an impact sub in the beginning of his Chelsea career was kind of 
iffy, but now he's starting to gain the confidence, played a huge part in that goal. Broja will feel very confident for the way he took that first touch to draw the penalty against Ruben Diaz. Um, you know, very, very good job. Just that little hesitation lets the ball roll across his body and then he gets clobbered and we get the pen. So, you know, th there are impact players that are coming in off the bench. We know Poch loves Ugo Chukwu as well. He comes in to just kind of shore things up in the midfield whenever we're sitting on a lead. We've seen that a couple times already. So, you know, it's starting 11 is settled, but the bench players are really starting to understand their roles too. And I think the confidence that the starting 11 is playing with now is bleeding into that bench and all those players that come off the bench like there is less pressure for them to perform because they know that they're going to come onto a pitch where the other 10 guys have been up for it so they have to match that level in a way it kind of puts them under more pressure but the good kind of pressure that you want your players to be under you know they need to be able to match if not surpass their teammates levels especially in a match like this um in terms of building out of the back though the one point i did want to mention was I do think that that's going to be the next phase of our development. Um, you know, City, luckily for us, it worked in our favor because they insist on playing out of the back. Um, but against teams, I mean, I'm talking about the teams in the lower half of the table, especially where we particularly struggled. You know, those low blocks are going to be more difficult to break down. But if we have the Raheem Sterling uh, that showed up against Man City play against the low block, if we have the Cole Palmer that showed up against, you know, that showed up for the last five or six matches against the low block, I think them two alone can maybe find a goal or an assist um, against a really low block there. And Kunku coming back is going to be huge as well. I mean, he's so good in tight spaces and so crafty with his finishing and his positioning as well. Um, but definitely, that is the next thing that I think Pochettino needs to harp on. You know, the goal we're creating chances. Now we finally started scoring goals. Our attacking players are feeling confident. Now it's really just a matter of harnessing that confidence to when we do start to see that low block. Uh, because I do think it's going to be an issue. You know, it, it's not going to fix itself overnight just by two quick results like this. You know, I do think there are still going to be growing pains, but the confidence is just going to go such a long way, um, you know, with that next phase. So exciting times. There's honestly, there, there is so much to look forward to between now and the rest of the season. And I think that's why I'm so giddy about, you know, this performance. Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, it'd be a while until I'd start to get like excited for matches. Um, and it's like back. going into this, I was like, do I, why do I feel excited? We're about to play city. Like we're going to get our fucking <laughs> ass clapped. Like the way we came out to start the the Spurs match was I thought it was fucking disgusting the way we played. Yeah. Um the way the players looked like no one was up for it. Today, like I said in the beginning, every single fucking player that stepped foot on that pitch, including the subs, everyone was up for it. I mean, let's get into some of the player performances. Um before we actually we we're going to start off with Sterling. Um but I want to just give a shout out to Robert Sanchez like he gave up four goals, but realistically, like, that didn't do his performance justice. He played so fucking well. Like, you know, he gave up, what were the goals? It was it was a penalty. Um, the like open a, a man header. in the box. Yeah, which was, you know, that, that's Nothing not on him. Do. And then the, like deflection. Um, the deflection, not on him. And then I guess the only one that you can kind of blame him or put some blame onto him was the... The, the, the Holland slide. Because he, he kind of dove to try to get the ball and he missed it um on the cross yeah. but 
other than that, I mean, he had some amazing saves. Like, didn't really make a mistake on Holland. Match. Sorry. The the specific one where Holland was inside the box and he got down, got a strong hand on a it, couple. and essentially I mean, was... saved the match at the end. Yeah, mm. there's the dude. Um, he had like four huge saves. Um, I thought his play um out of the back like was really good too. Um, he didn't make any errant passes. Um, he like th- he had a couple passes where it was a very tight window and he hit yeah. it mm-hmm. like and, and he hit it like i was really impressed by his performance i think the four goals just it didn't do him justice with that performance but let's talk about raheem's well, oh wait do you want to say something about robert yeah i want to shit on ederson really quick because i think robert sanchez outplayed him <laughs> on on sunday seriously i mean you look at the nico jackson goal um top goalkeeper you should be you should be catching that connor gallagher yeah. shot I mean, pairing it directly into the middle of your penalty area, um, or at least pairing it to one of the sides. So I, I just wanted to mention that because we have gotten some criticism over the way we talked about Robert Sanchez in recent weeks. And I mean, I'm just going to give him credit where credit's due, man. He was flawless on Sunday and he outplayed Ederson, who is widely regarded as a top level, you know, goalkeeper in Europe. So props yeah, to I, him. I, I think we do a really good job as a podcast of like, like giving credit to players that we've shit on previously. And I think we're about to do that right now with Raheem Sterling. <laughs> um, but just the final point on like Ederson actually probably had the save of the match on that uh Reese James free kick. I mean, he oh, fucking nice. like that yeah. was Reese, like, dude, I had such a good feeling about it. I was just like, Reese is gonna put this away. And um he almost did. I mean, that was a fucking rocket um that he he saved so um raheem sterling raheem sterling man what a fucking performance for this guy i'm so happy that he came out against his old club um and he balled out i mean he had a goal um he meg had a couple megs nasty plays so sick just like making really good really good decisions um putting a lot of pressure on Kyle Walker which is really hard to do um Kyle Walker's fucking class and he really put a lot of pressure on him so um I'm really happy with the way he performed and you know I I mentioned it at the start of the podcast I said that this is probably our best 11 um and you know I, and I've said this before like I know I know a couple of weeks ago we we talked about what our ideal best 11 is and i think both of you guys had mudrick in it or someone else like you guys both left sterling out and i was the only one who said like as much as i don't like him like he still has class like and he it showed today i really really liked his performance um andreas you want to start off uh talking about him yeah i mean again this is what kind of we've been waiting for almost and I know that sounds annoying as like a, a thing to say, but re- realistically speaking, like the Spurs match wasn't a good one, but he scored. And now this time he scored and he played fantastic. Like you said, it's not easy to beat Kyle Walker time and time again. Like Kyle Walker just last season, like completely pocketed one of the best wingers out there in, in Vinicius for two matches against Real Madrid. And then here comes Sterling and he has him like spinning like a freaking dreidel. Like the dude could not stay on his like 
every time that Raheem got the ball, he was turning him. You know, players on defense, they try to get into this sort of like, we call it surfboard position where you have one foot forward, one foot back, and it's supposed to help you from, like keep you from getting spun. But time and time again, Raheem Sterling was finding the right time to cut back inside or cut back outside. And so it, it sort of negates the one thing Kyle Walker is really good at, where if you try to get around him, you can't because he's both very strong and very fast. So Sterling just just spinning him in, in place to create space was just amazing. I thought his decision-making with passing and shooting was also on point today, which is probably my biggest gripe against him. And I, I take that back. My biggest gripe is defensive work rate. And he won 10 duels. Like the yeah. dude was, was everywhere this time. And maybe he needed to, to, to do this against the, the, his former club and the biggest team in England right now to, to sort of remind him like my contributions defensively can impact my game offensively too. Like he was just, again, everywhere. I, I tweeted that I thought he was flawless today. And again, we are not the biggest Raheem Sterling stylistic fans, yet here we are saying he was fantastic. And you're right, he does need to keep starting. And you're right, this probably is our settled front three. And and I'm not going to complain about it. I think it's deserved. Yeah, again, I mean, the main thing with him is just the consistency, right? Like, if we've been critical of Sterling, it's not... It's it, we've, We haven't been critical of him in terms of not thinking that he has any quality. We know he has quality. The guy put up double-double seasons, what, three consecutive seasons in a row where he scored 15 goals and close to, close to, if not more, than 10 assists. So that's not our point. Our point is the consistency. All of our past criticism, that was like the main issue with him. And I do think this is a good springboard for him. Um, you know, obviously nothing to complain about in this performance. and. To your point, Andres, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the defensive work rate because I think that was the springboard for his entire performance as a whole. The crowd really started to get behind the team when we started winning challenges, when we started getting the ball back, nicking possession, um, more so than any other, you know, instance on the pitch, obviously, besides scoring a goal. But that's when I noticed the crowd get to the match. And I think Sterling feeds off of that. I do think, you know, for any attacking player that's supposed to provide goals and assists, you very much um, do live or die by your confidence. And I think, you know, he was lacking a lot of confidence in the early stages of the season. Of course, you know, the criticism's not easy for him to hear. When none of the other players around him are banging, it's hard for him to sort of bang in that kind of way as well. Um, but, you know, this was just overall well-rounded like you said it was flawless i really can't nitpick anything that he did that i would have maybe changed um and i do think it's the blueprint for him moving forward you know he is supposed to be the the leader of our attack and i would argue even when nkunku comes back sterling still should be the leader of our attack just based on the fact that he's played more premier league matches he has more champions league experience so on and so forth but you know, the guy's been there and done that, you know, these, we expect this every week. Like that's the benchmark that he set for himself. So yes, we're allowed to be critical when he falls off. Totally fine. He's a top class player. I mean, we're going to call a spade a spade, right? But in this case, he needs to look at this type of performance and go, I'm just going to replicate this whenever I get my name called from here on out. You know, if he does 
the simple things like the defending, like the ball retention, um, you know, finding the quick outlet passes, you know, uh, running, the, running down the lines, those, those runs that he makes, those little diagonals in between the center backs, all of those things sort of add to his game and equate to that overall, you know, nine out of 10 performance that we saw on Sunday. So again, he needs to look at that performance and just say, I'm going to do this every single time. Um, and long may it continue, man. Seriously. You know, I, I, I do really hope that he continues on this run of form because the guy's unplayable. Um, simple as that. Yeah. Um, we got a Twitter question. This one is from, uh, well, it's not even really a question. This one's from Tom Ashdown. He said, Sterling was excellent. Please slag off Enzo on your next podcast so he plays well. <laughs> um, bit of a <laughs> shot at us for talking shit, so much shit about Sterling last week, which I still think out. was 100% it was justified. It was yeah. 100% justified. Like, I don't know, man. I, I don't want to argue more about how he looked last match when he scored. He scored one or two goals? One. Oh, he scored one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess... We can talk about Enzo right now. I look, I I saw this one, this uh, stat bomb. This was posted by this guy named Chicago Dimitri, and he pulled stats basically um, from a lot of different categories: progressive carry distances, progressive passes, through balls, all pretty much like aggregated all of that to make a build-up score from this season. And he has a ninety-eight out of 100 build-up score. And the one the one category where it's not in the 90-plus percentile is in turnovers. And I think that's the one, you know, and I think that's just based off him trying to force passes that aren't really there. But I, I, I personally can live with that. But um, yeah. you saw that a lot this match, Zach. Uh, I want to start off with you. What were your thoughts on Enzo's performance? I said it before the podcast and kind of riled you guys up, so you know where I'm going with this. But well, yeah, that's I, why I, that's why I called I wasn't, you out first. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily impressed with Enzo um, in this one. I, I I think it wasn't a crap performance, but I just don't think he was effective in any way, shape, or form. Um, if you look, uh, I think Caicedo was more tidy on the ball. I think Connor Gallagher was better defensively. And creatively, I mean, Gallagher got the assist and had a big part to play in the in the Nico Jackson goal. Um, but the main thing I noticed with him is just that, Sam. I mean, you mentioned it. He does everything re at a really high level in terms of, you know, his dribbling ability, um, positionally, defensively, so on and so forth. But it's, it is the turnovers. And yes, on one hand, you do give him the license to play those, to be the sort of Cesc Fabregas or quarterback, um, if you will, of this of this attack, right? You do if you want anybody playing the risky ball, you want Enzo playing it. I mean, even an idiot knows that. But in that second half specifically, right before he got taken off, he must have given the ball away maybe four or five times in a row, um, and just sort of played these blind passes directly to City defenders. And this was during that period right after Holland scored, where it looked like they might have maybe would have been able to get another one. Um, and we had a little bit of trouble building out of the back for about a five to seven minute stretch. And I noticed maybe three or four passes in a row that Enzo gave away. And I think that kind of got on Pochettino's nerves a little bit. And what do you know, less than 10 minutes later, he's getting taken off. And yes, it was tactically, um, 
but I thought it was the right move. I mean, Conor Gallagher is arguably the man of the match um, in this one. At least I would argue that he could be. Um, and I thought Caicedo, you know, although he wasn't great either, um, I think the defensive uh, discipline of Caicedo served us a lot better against City than, you know, Enzo's. You know, some Enzo does have that propensity to sort of dive into tackles or, you know, pick up a silly yellow here and there. And, but overall, I don't think it was the type of Enzo performance that we want to be seeing against the top team. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm worried about him. The guy's fucking world class. He's a World Cup winner. He's going to bounce back. Um, but I think it's just sort of him, you know, maybe just having a slight dip in form. It could be something as simple as that. I don't really want to read too much into it because, again, you know, he is a quality player. I'm not doubting his ability, but I am going to be a little bit critical when I think he doesn't play that well. And in this case, I didn't think he played that well. So, um, you know, maybe he stuck out a little bit more because the rest of the team was just that good. Could be. Um, but overall, I think his impact was pretty minimal in this game. Um, I think just one point I wanted to talk about how you, you mentioned that you thought Caicedo's defensive presence was felt a lot more than Enzo's. And, and I think that's because like a lot of his his interceptions um, were actually in the box. Like he he yeah. played really deep, I think, for a, like a big portion of this match. Um, and I think that's kind of the way that we envisioned him playing. Um, to mm-hmm. be honest, where you know when when we envisioned a um, Enzo Caicedo double pivot that, and the Caicedo would be the one who'd be playing deeper, and um, I think I just want to I I would credit that to his positioning and you know his role for today, but I don't know I just I, maybe I was kind of uh blinded by like the his by Enzo's first like 20 25 minutes because he looked he was phenomenal in the beginning um of the mm-hmm. match and I, I now that I'm thinking more back on the match he did kind of fade off um after I'd say yeah maybe 20 25 minutes into it but um I uh, I I think that you're being a little harsh by saying I didn't like you, you. You didn't say he played poorly. You just thought that he didn't do anything particularly well. I, I didn't. I think that's a little bit harsh. Um, but yeah. I, I, I still think. I mean, Andreas, you want to add anything else onto it? Yeah. No. I, I think number one, I don't think he has bad form. I mean, you see the chart right in front of us, and some. If I'm sure you'll tweet it later for for our listeners to see it. Like, why does he have turnovers? I'm sorry. We went from a midfield that never made a risky pass for the past four seasons like this is why he's here he is supposed to try the crazy pass that is the one thing that he has that nobody else has and with that comes the risk now i argue that gallagher gets to be gallagher and stand out because kaizedo and enzo are there and and that's where people are like oh enzo's not scoring enzo's not assisting Enzo and Caicedo allow Gallagher to get further forward. Enzo and Caicedo let Gallagher be the guy that pressures like a crazy person and lets Gallagher do everything he does so good. And that's it. If you think about what these guys bring to the table, like Gallagher is not doing the unlocking pass that breaks the, the, the six man press. He's on the receiving end of it. Gallagher is pressing because that's what he's best at up front. 
And you notice that because those are the mistakes that lead to a chance, right? Caicedo and Fernandez are further back. They have to be doing a lot more of the initial work. That is the work that is not uh, flashy, that is not in the highlight tape, that it's not something that gets you freaking screaming from, from your couch kind of thing. Like, you don't watch Tony Kroos and say, wow, man, Tony Kroos, like, he did all this crazy stuff. You're like, wow, everyone else looked really good because Tony Kroos is doing Tony Kroos things. And that's where I stand with Enzo. I think, honestly, if everyone was healthy and everything went to plan according to what Poch wanted to do, Enzo would be further forward where, where Gallagher is right now. In a perfect world, it should have been Lavia Caicedo Enzo, right? Like that was the plan. And he was supposed to be the free roll guy. Th- think about that Liverpool match where we're like, holy fuck. That's where Enzo was. He was the free guy connecting the buildup to the attack. And what happened? We had chance and chance and chance and chance where the pass from, like the assist pass was Enzo's pass. People weren't scoring it. So I think like people are are shitting on Enzo. And Zach, this isn't you. I'm just saying like right now that that's the rhetoric is that Enzo's not playing well because his responsibilities are deeper in the field rather than like where we thought we were going to see him, which is closer to the opponent's box. I truly think that's what's where we're at. Cause it's not a double pivot. It's a, it's a three man midfield. And the guy that gets to bomb forward is Gallagher, not Enzo. He has to stay home. And now why did he get pulled? It's cause we had to switch to a four, four, two. I'm not going to put Enzo in a four, four, two when Gallagher still has enough juice to run for 120 more minutes versus Enzo who's tired now. Like, again, I think he has the license for turnovers. I don't agree when the turnovers are him trying to dribble out of pressure in, in, a, in the wrong time. Those I get mad about. But I do think that his sub was strictly tactical. You have two guys that need to cover a lot of ground. It's Gallagher and Caicedo, not Enzo. And you brought on Broja. You brought on a second striker. So that's where I'm at with this whole thing. And, and I kind of this kind of gets us into, I think it was um, Kirill's question. Um, at patron Chelsea, he asked if Gallagher is our best midfielder. I'd argue that Gallagher right now is our most informed midfielder, but this team is not able to do this city performance if Enzo Fernandez is not our, our in our midfield. You put in Kovacic back in this team. You put in Jorginho back into this team, and we don't do the things we did today. Sorry. That's, that's the reality of it. Like Our best midfielder is Enzo Fernandez. Yeah, and I want to add one thing to. I think I think this is a good transition into Connor Gallagher, um, because he was phenomenal. Um, this is so the one thing that uh, I mean, other than the turnovers, the one thing that I've been kind of harping on Enzo for this whole season has been his 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 shot taking. I mean, he hardly puts a shot on frame. And, um, you know, the, just his, his technique, his form has not been great. Um, and you know, I was just like thinking last week, like how the hell did Connor Gallagher score? What he had like eight goals, uh, in his loan season at, at palace. I was thinking Mm -hmm. like, how the hell did he score that many goals? Like he's, he's just not like, I don't see it. He's not, you know, he's not doing anything like that today. He had three or four lovely like just amazing 
shots from outside the box. Um, couple half volleys, couple all you know off the bounce. Like that was exactly the type of thing that I was expecting Enzo to be doing this season. Um, you know the the Gallagher, the the you know the the um Nico Nico Jackson goal came off exactly that chance. Um, and you know a couple good saves from uh Ederson prevented him from scoring. Uh, but I you know obviously everything else aside, like we know the type of player he is, his his pressing, his running. Uh, his relentlessness, honestly. Uh, but I thought that was the key to his performance and really a key to our total performance was his his uh, lack of fear to take that shot. And his technique was phenomenal. I mean, every shot he took was on target, I think. Um, so shout out to... It, it, it's official, Zach. I'm calling it right now. I don't even need Andreas to be the... The arbiter <laughs> of this bet, double or nothing, baby. Keep, keep your money in your pocket. I, I'm, I, I lost that. It, he's not just having a good season; he's having a great season. Um, Connor Gallagher, I'm, I'm so happy for him. Um, so, uh, I don't know who wants to take, who wants to start off the Connor Gallagher d- uh, discussion, Zach. I will because. I'm the resident Wait, no, I, I'll let you finish it. I'll let you finish it because I, I don't want what I said to be misconstrued as me saying he didn't play well. Like, I want that to be very clear. I'm saying that, like, we are getting the most – we are squeezing every ounce of the Connor Gallagher juice, and I mean that in the most positive way. What I'm saying is that yeah. because we're doing that, I think people are now changing the way they see Enzo. Now, today, yeah. again, fantastic. I think that – we are are allowing Connor to to be in the spaces that he was. You mentioned some the Crystal Palace loan, right? He's getting to drift towards the box. He's getting to be in the end of of uh, of plays where he can sneak in and finish out the play with a shot or a cross and that sort of thing. I noticed specifically in this game as the match progressed, he was asked to do what we saw. I can't remember what the match was. And Zach, you might. Again, as the as the Gallagher lover here, you might remember where we had Cole Palmer drift centrally and then Gallagher is bombing up the right side. Yeah. And I, I saw that exactly happen at some that. point in the second half. And it's just mm-hmm. like he is good to finding that space in that pocket to get himself into a scoring position in that final third. And you mentioned it some his shots, the three shots he took right outside the box and around the semi, like the rounded part of the box were all great shots. The I love the two man press where it's Gallagher plus someone else pressing high. I think that that is such a good weapon that we're utilizing. And again, it's it's almost perfected at this point where if it's not with with Palmer, it's with Nico Jackson, and Nico Jackson is now understanding the assignment there as well. So yeah, I he was really good. I agree that he probably was our man of the match. It was just. It's great. It's great to see him do well. It, it puts us in a very tough situation. Yeah. We say this all the time when it comes to squad building and, and this whole Chelsea 2030 and the big plans for these young guys that were signed because Connor is not old. <laughs> he's got quite the long career ahead of him still, and he's showing us that we can trust him in games against Manchester City. 
and and Connor is not old, but if you look at the squad, he's one of the elder statesmen. <laughs> what do you really think about he, it in terms of Premier League? He's our vice which captain. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, which is nuts. Um, I do want to shout out the fact that you know he did wear the armband against you know European champions and was arguably the best player on the pitch for you know big stretches of the match. But I think I think what Connor Gallagher is and the th- and what we're starting to figure out and all of Chelsea fans are starting to figure out is on all great teams, you do need to have a sort of glue guy, a yes man, you know, somebody who does the hard yards, the shithousery, um, you know, the, the, the guy who holds everybody accountable tactically. And I think that guy's Connor Gallagher. Um, you know, you mentioned it, Andres. He likes to drift to the right if that space is, is open. You know, if Sterling's tucking in centrally, you'll see Gallagher maybe slide out to the left, um, you know, just to create the correct spacing. and. Um, you know, his pitch awareness is getting much better game by game. Sam, you touched on it. When he shoots, it's usually on target. Um, he knows how to put his foot through the ball, I'll tell you that much. Um, and to answer your question, when he was at Crystal Palace, you know, he did have a lot of goals that, not necessarily outside of the box, but shots at range where they weren't necessarily tap-ins or, you know, in between the penalty area and the goal. Um, you know, he can provide that. And I don't think he's going to be the type of player where he's going to put up 10 goal, 10 assist seasons. I don't think that's his DNA, but I do think he's the glue guy. I think you stick him in a midfield when you want that energy, when you want that high press, when you want to win the ball back, when you sense a vulnerability in the, t- in the opposition's build-up play, or you want to disrupt it altogether, you call on a guy like Connor Gallagher to do that for you. Um, I would go as I would go uh, as far to say that I think Connor Gallagher is a better presser than Mason Mount was even in his Tuchel days. Um, early Tuchel days, that is, when we were actually playing well. Um, you know, the ability to high press is it's so hard to do. Like and, and I know Connor Gallagher makes it look easy because the dude just never gets tired. But to put that kind of energy and yardage in 90 minutes is unreal and the fact that we don't even have to worry about subbing him off like a, a reese james sort of situation where we're like oh we know he's gonna get tired after 60 or 70 minutes he'll slow down connor gallagher is the only one that maintains his level for the full 90 in terms of that energy um i remember against it was against tottenham uh i think it was the 87th or 86th minute and, and we were up what was it i think it was 3-1 at that point and he was still pressing their back line like a madman and you know those are those are the things you need. You need those kind of players to sort of set examples, do the hard yards. You know the guys that never say no to the manager. I mean they're they're a dream to manage, and I'm sure Pochettino's loving it right now. Um, if you ask me, I, I I really do think a contract extension is a necessity for him at this point. He's just become too important to what this team is trying to do at this point in time to either not be selected or just altogether not be a part of the team. I know when Nkunku comes back, we could go with more attacking looks and maybe, you know, put Nkunku possibly in his position or maybe put Palmer in his position, put Nkunku out wide. We do have options there, um, but I think it's going to be really, really difficult for Pochettino in these next couple of weeks when Nkunku and Chukwameka uh, and guys like Lavia, uh, uh, Romeo Lavia come back because, you know, how do you drop him? How do you even make the case to drop him at this point? It's it's almost inconceivable yeah. at this point in time. I never hey, thought I'd be saying that about him. I mean, I was hoping that he would just become a good bench player. 
And lo and behold, he's been probably our most consistent player across the entire season, if we're going to be fair to him. I mean, I think he only had maybe one or two bad games. I think everyone else on the team has had more than that. Tiago Silva you, included. You didn't think that you would ever think that he would ever be undroppable? <laughs> I mean, I me, never thought I, he would be undroppable. I'm, I know, I'm saying, like, that's one thing, but I I literally made a bet against you saying that he's not <laughs> good. I made back a bet saying that he's not good, yeah. And uh, Connor Gallagher is proving me wrong. So happy about it. Like, I, this is a bet. I've, I, I think I've said this, like, 30 times already. Um, but this is I a bet, bet I'm so happy to lose. I'm yeah more than willing to lose a bet like that. Um. But yeah, also don't sleep on uh Nkunku at striker. Okay. You know, you mentioned that he can play on the wide play wide, play cam, like we can play all three of them together. Cole mm-hmm. Palmer, yep. uh uh Connor Gallagher and Nkunku play him at striker. Um because we know I mean I guess, good I guess against Arsenal playing without a striker. Yeah, yeah. Um uh, Nkunku got goals, right. man. That guy will put the ball in the back of the net if you play him high up the pitch. So I'm not, I'm definitely not against that idea. Yeah, and the thing is, like, Nico Jackson, uh, you know, four goals in two matches. It's it, we were at, you know, we were like begging, or we were just hoping that uh, Broja could come back healthy, and you know. Get get the start and take Nico Jackson out of the lineup. And it's like at this point, you can't really take him out. You know, like he's yeah. he's he's scoring. You know, it's 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 hard to make that to justify it. But hey, and one thing uh, I want to add to that, Sam, just last point on Nico Jackson, his combination play with Raheem Sterling has come a long way too. Because that's what we were really critical about against Spurs is that him and yeah. Sterling were just on completely different pages in terms of link up play and i think against uh-huh. city they proved that like they do know how to play with each other it's just a matter of applying it so we saw preseason yeah. nico against man city i think i think that's fair to say yeah i, yeah. I think that's that i would say that's his best quality his his combination link up play um yeah. so yeah i, I think uh, that's, i just want to add we, that you know we've before, been... before you before you do sorry i just like wanted to give you a shout out on js for last week you blamed Sterling, I think for uh for Nico Jackson's lack of you know performances because he wasn't helping him out with the link up play and you know mm-hmm. it's it's not a shocker that in this match that we're raving about the way that Raheem Sterling played also ne- made Nico Jackson look good so I think that kind of yeah helps your argument the the interchange they had was great I I was just gonna say to go back to Nico Jackson you know. Again, the media portraying that Nico Jackson is not cutting it. He's not ready. And like, we agree that he is a work in progress. We also agree that like he does things that aren't goal scoring at a great level, but Chelsea as a team need the goal scoring portion. But again, we like to give flowers when the flowers are there to be given. And Ollie Watkins having career season, the top, what a guy he is and he's scoring tons of goals has six goals and nico jackson who is a hard life and oh my god he's having so much trouble adapting to the premier league six goals 
So just putting that out there. I think Ron had asked yeah. us, like, was last week the match that that made the light bulb go off for Nico Jackson? Well, he went and scored against the champions of Europe and and Premier League champions. So maybe it might be still a little early, but that's back to back big game, big performances. So we weren't even going to talk about Nico Jackson that much today, but props to him again for getting on the score sheet today with a true striker's goal. Yep. Yeah. I mean, look before uh, just the final point, like it, like his technique, like I think he, he received the ball, took a touch and then shot like even just that, like is, is you got to give him credit. You know, it's not just a, a tap in it, He, he did, he made the right decision and we've seen so many times with Chelsea strikers. A lot of times we miss chances like that. So give, give him some credit for that. Um, I think this might be the last player that we talk about, uh, unless something else comes up organically. Um, Reese James, thank God he's back. Um, had the assist, um, just putting a lot of pressure on that right side. Uh, our, our captain for a fucking reason. Like he really is mm-hmm. the heart and soul of this team. And he just unlocks so much like you can just tell the difference between it, it it's really amazing how one player and he's a defender makes such a huge difference like just by himself and the way that we play andreas what what it does he bring that changes uh changes us the way we look so much the what the kids say on twitter it's that aura like Reese James That's steps onto the sure. pitch and he's a healthy Reese James is the best right back in the world. Period. You can't tell me that you don't watch this guy and see how much our game elevates. A right back makes both ends of the pitch click. Like you have to respect the fact that Reese James is on the pitch and, and, and what that brings in the offense, which is wild. But we talk about cities outside of Holland, who Holland is a, the fucking Terminator. Their most on-form player is Jeremy Doku, and that dude, that dude went home crying to his mom. Like he did absolutely nothing against Reese James last week. James Madison and Son did nothing when lined up against Reese James. Like he is locked down on defense. He and Cole Palmer were doing fucking rondo drills down that right side the whole game. On again, the greatest pressing side in Europe. Nothing like this dude. He makes it all look so simple. We talk about his technique and how he traps it with his chest. His long balls. Again, we talked about the peach he played Sterling last week. He was four out of five this week. Like it just adds another like factor to this attack. And, and it obviously defense as well. Like in a match where like DeSassi for like 70 minutes didn't have to make a single tackle. Like, I don't know if you guys knew this stat. I saw, I think, CFC Central post this, and I was like, oh, wow. Because Reese James was doing it all down that right side. DeSazi just had to be there to, to, to collect the pass from Reese James and, and, and recycle possession. It's insane what this guy brings to the table. I'm like, I will not celebrate a goal more than his first goal this season because it's coming. Like, he, I think, has a crazy high like shot percent like the amount of shots he's taking as a right back if we do one of those chicago dimitri stat bombs is probably in the top percentiles for right backs i'm waiting for that back post shot to just hit once and and again you can feel the team 
just feel so much better with him on the pitch. Like we talk about how he's so quiet outside to the media and stuff. He is obviously a very vocal guy with this team because it's been night and day having him back on the pitch. And that is not to like shit on Malagusto because he's been a good like spell right back. But again, it's those un, like non-tangible things that he brings to this team. I, I can't say enough about a healthy Reese James, man. Like, give me 60-minute Reese the rest of the season if it means that he gets to be the, wearing the armband at the beginning of every match. He is, he's just so fucking well-rounded, man. Every aspect of his game is polished and class. You know, the, his 1v1 defending is up there with the best um, in terms of right-backs. I think only Kyle Walker probably rivals him in terms of 1v1 defending in, in England, at least. In terms of crossing, I think only Trent rivals him. Um, but Trent is a shit defender, so Reese automatically wins that one. Kyle Walker's not that good going forward, so Reese wins that one in my book. I mean, I'm just looking at the rest. I'm trying to think in my head. I mean, throughout the rest of Europe. Here, there's another. Oh, Who was that? <laughs> Kieran Trippier is good at set pieces. Next uh, delivery, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just yeah. saying, like, out of like, those are the only players that you could say you know, are like top, top yeah. level right backs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess you could say that. But you know, just in terms of all the intangibles, like Andres said, I mean, the physicality against Doku was definitely a problem. Doku realized that he can't run through Reese very, very quickly. I think the first challenge, even. Um, but he's deceptively quick too. That's the thing. Like when when Reese, quote unquote, gets beat down the line, at least beat by the opposition first step, he has that recovery pace. Like you talked about Kyle Walker having that combination of pace and power. Reese James is a, is is cut from the same cloth in that respect. Like he's a big big boy, very top heavy, but also has like very you know a, a low center of gravity and thick legs where he can just he doesn't yeah. get bundled over like it's, they got like the rugby player builds yeah yeah if you ever see a picture of uh the ufc fighter but it's alexander volkanovsky when he was a rugby yeah. player that's kind of how reese yeah. james is built right now um you know he's just build for sure yeah he's definitely bulky but you know he's still light on his feet technically he's brilliant i talked about the control he has off of his chest uh, last week chest control is just nuts man it's ridiculous um but really i mean nothing not, nothing that i can really yeah. criticize about his game i i do just want to harp nope. on the 60 minutes thing i think that's the most i think the most important part of reese james's game at this point in time is his health and i think that's probably going to be the theme for the rest of his career because if his body's already starting to show signs of not being able to put up with you know playing two or three times a week now He's not going to be able to do it when he's 30, obviously. So I think it's the responsibility of the club now to sort of, okay, let's manage his minutes. We're not going to play him, you know, uh, unnecessarily too long. I think they'll be more comfortable playing uh, Malagusto because he's actually good. <laughs> like, we actually have a serviceable right back who, honestly, Malagusto would probably start for most of the Premier League teams bar maybe the top four. So... You know, there's quality there, and I think just having him is is so important. So yeah, keep playing Reese sixty minutes. Let Malo Gusto run for the last twenty or thirty, and just give me that energy between now and the rest of the season. I think we're gonna do just fine at right back. I, I think that's one of our positions where if both guys stay available, that's arguably our strongest position. 
Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Reese James, you know, is the most important thing is for him to stay healthy. I think a big talking point was, you know, he was just a little too heavy, like he needs to cut a little bit of weight. I said that I, myself, yeah. Yeah, and I I see today, he, he posted on Instagram, he's promoting a new product that Jamie Cummings uh, coming started. It's a protein cheesesteak, I mean, a, a cheesecake. Like, bro, oh. you don't need to eat cheesecake. Just <laughs> get your protein in, brother. You got enough cake There's already, bro. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about that cake, bro. Worry about your own cake. Uh, Eden Hazard will be the first person to sample the protein cheesecake, probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, wait. I think I totally skipped over Cole Palmer. We need to you talk did. about You did. I was going to say, how, how can yeah. we not? The man, Man City's boy is now Chelsea's man. That was a great what call. What a line! That was a line. great call. Um, so yeah, the, let, let's just talk about Cole Palmer. Four goals, four pens, whatever. I don't care. Um, he's he's cold, man. He he could have had another goal. He had a chance where. He basically dribbled through the whole team and had a one-on-one. -on -one he and he manhandled them, though. Like It yeah. wasn't like like swiftly getting around them. He went through Rodri, yeah. Akanji, and Ruben Diaz in the span of like a five-step muddled box. It was sick. It was sick. It even looked yeah, like he, he got pulled back it. by one of them, too. Like If you watch it over again, like it looks like somebody like maybe takes a little tug at his shoulder or tug at his uh, shirt. Yeah, I mean, but what does it say about his character? Like, in that high-pressure situation against your old fucking club in the rain, like to put it away, like like he did. I, I'm I'm so happy with this guy. I'm in love with him. I really is. He's my Pookie Bear. I posted that on my story. I love this guy. <laughs> he's our best um, attacker. Plain and simple. Yeah, straight I up. I think he's signing. He's, of he's the clearly season. signing of the season. Best attacker. Best newcomer, player of the season, potentially. I mean, he's really putting his name in the hat in a lot of categories here. And, you know, I think the thing that is very clear is that Cole Palmer has, is probably the first name on the team sheet. Probably him and Connor Gallagher um, are now that Reese is back. But, you know, I mean, there, there's just, he can't do any wrong at this point in time. Like, I think he's seven matches in a row, if I'm not mistaking, where he's either scored or created a big chance, um, yeah. which is just stupid numbers. Um, you know, people want to talk about James Madison being the sign of the season or like I did some shouts for Mickey Van De Ven. Like, don't look any further than what Cole Palmer's impact is for this Chelsea team because the facts are when he started starting matches for us, our, our, our game completely changed. You know, we and started. Brentford is the only loss, isn't it? Created. I believe so, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have it up in front of me, but I mean, Since that just adds to my point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that just adds to my point, though, right? Like, the influence that he has on the game, the way he's able to pull the strings. And, you know, what's most impressive with him is for how little Premier League experience he has. I think I heard a stat that he's played more minutes in the Premier League. Yeah. For, uh, for in his Premier League career for Chelsea than he has in his entire career for Man City. So, like, he had three Man City starts in the Premier League. Just three. Yeah. So like a relatively inexperienced Premier League level player, at least. It's crazy how well he's playing. And, and, and the fact that he just continues to get better 
for someone that young to look that composed, that calm, to be like the cool head in that front three, I, I, I just can't talk enough about that. Like, and, and, and the nice thing with him is it's not that sort of Kai Havertz or Mesut Ozil attitude where it looks like they just don't give a fuck. Like, Cole Palmer does the hard yards. He does track back on defense. He does get his foot stuck in. He almost got a he almost he almost uh, got a penalty uh, by fouling. Uh, I think it was Doku, and then at the last minute he grew an extra inch on his right foot and was able to get to the ball. But like, I mean, that just shows you like the whole 120 yards of the pitch. He looks at it as his responsibility. He's not looking at the game and going like, okay, only the final third is where I'm going to have my influence. Once I get the ball there, I'll be fine. Like. He's involved in the build-up play. He's involved in our defensive shape, and he's involved in all the finishing, uh, the finishing moves that we have. You know, whether he's creating or an assist or scoring a penalty. I have a feeling that this guy is just going to go straight to the fucking top, really. And I said it before the podcast. I'm going to say it live. I really do think in 12 months' time we're going to come back and say that Man City fucked up by selling Cole Palmer and keeping Phil Foden. I think Cole Palmer will be better than Phil Foden in 12 months' time if he keeps going at this rate. It is just, like, the the, the improvement match-to-match is just absolutely staggering. I really haven't seen anything like it in a really long time, and I can't be more excited, man. I I really do feel like we have our number 10 here for the next 10-plus years, unless Madrid wants him. (laughs) Shout-out. Huge. Huge shout out the real MVPs here, Crystal Palace, for not letting us get Michael Olise. Huge shout out to them because Olise that still was the domino have played for us. Exactly, that was the domino that fell yeah. that led us to like try this bid for Cole Palmer on deadline day, right? Like this dude has mm-hmm. no preseason, and imagine if he did. Imagine where we would be at had this guy gotten to blend into this team earlier. We talk about what the record has been since he started. It's crazy and. And you talk about like he had only three matches, but this guy lives for the big occasion. He was the player for England in their Euros run, right? For the U21s. Captained mm-hmm. England, I believe. And if he didn't captain, um, he was their MVP. Then for City, he scored in the Super Cup. He mm-hmm. scored in and the Community, community shield. shield. And then goes back to like no man's land. And, and Pep tried to come out and say like, oh... Raheem and Palmer won everything and then they went to Chelsea. Like, bro, Paul, you told Palmer, stay, stay, Riyad Mahrez is leaving. And Palmer said, no, nah, I'm out. Like, the dude celebrated against you. That tells you everything you need to know. Like, Cole Palmer, he's cold, man. He's so freaking cold. The dude, zero allegiance. Like, that's the biggest F you because Pep made it sound like, oh, we we wanted to respect his wish to go play. Like. That, to me, assures me that Cole Palmer won it out because he was being held back, and he's showing it. He is completely showing his potential and, and what he can be doing today. It's, it's nuts. The, the celebration was perfect. The camera take of him jogging back in the Pride of London flag pulling up behind them was so sick. And again, he's 21. He's brand new to the team, and he is by far our penalty taker. Like It takes a lot of balls to be that guy already to do it against your former team in pouring rain to draw the game against a like there's nothing that can't be said about what he's done so far and like you said some who cares that the goals are pens they're getting us points he's taking good shots he's creating good chances he's assisted nico jackson a couple times already like 
I, I'm not obsessed with GNA for him or how he gets his goals and assists because it is so clear and obvious that he is the, the puppeteer of the attack. Like he is pulling all the strings. It's incredible. Incredible. If Mudrik hadn't taken the 10, I'd be like, give this man the number 10 jersey today. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think final shout outs. I want to give a shout out. Tiago Silva. Yep. Getting the goal. Um, I think oldest Chelsea of, scorer ever. In the yeah. And I think, I think I saw that it was like the oldest player to score a goal in over a decade. In the Premier League, so since yeah, Ryan Giggs. the ripe age of thirty nine years old, um, and I think I'm like thinking like, out of all the players on Chelsea, like, if I were to like see him in real life, I think I would have the most emotional reaction to seeing him. I think I might like honestly cry a little bit and ask him for a hug because I fucking love this guy so much. He's he's done so much for two decades plus. He's really a world-class center back, one of the greatest of all time, and to be continue to be doing this, and I'm just, like, I, I could not be happier that we have him on our club. I love this guy so much. Um, anyone else want to have any final thoughts? We have um, an international break coming up, so, uh, you know, no, no preview, yeah, real, but... Real quick, real quick, I mentioned Disasi, like, how I saw that stat where he didn't do anything. Like five minutes later, the dude comes in like at a hundred miles an hour on a slide tackle that like was a clean slide tackle during a city buildup that looked extremely threatening. Like I think he got the lowest like match rating on on Fop Mob or whatever. I think probably because like I said, he didn't have to tackle until like the 80th minute. Um, and he probably was at fault for the cross, but yeah. Even the guy that was at his worst had a moment in this game. And and I think that speaks volumes. And also when Kyle Walker tried to like bow up to someone, I want to shout out the fact that the whole team at one point or another got in the face of city players that were trying to like Hell yeah. Like bully us or whatever. Like it somebody posted I retweeted this morning how just like six months ago. Enzo went up to Bruno when Bruno was doing some like cocky shit and nobody backed him up. It was like 10 yeah. United players and Enzo. And then fast forward to this this past Sunday where our whole team is around like the referee trying to like basically tell the city guys to like fuck off and let us take a penalty. Like little things like that. Like this is the this is the perfect thing where where Poch said I will have players fight for this club. Like they were mm -hmm. bleed for this club and we got it right there. Like they yeah. were the, the, the sense of family and unity in this team is, is crazy, man. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Mudrick's wiping his snot on Kyle Walker. Love oh him. man. I, I was going to mention, I was going to mention that. And then I was also going to shout out Kukurea also, because when yeah. all of the, that all that commotion was happening between Kyle Walker and Tassasi and everything. I don't know if you guys noticed, but Kukurea actually grabbed Cole Palmer and walked him to midfield away from all of the bullshit. Yeah. And Cole Palmer just kind of held the ball like right around midfield with Kukurea there, completely unbothered, just kind of watching everything from afar. So like good on Kukurea to very veteran move for him to just kind of acknowledge that and be like, all right, let me get him I'm away from him. all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we oh. saw Aspi do that as well with uh well Something Aspie took the ball he took and then the ball he like he gave it. it yeah yeah so the, like the other you one know, 
Go, go for, it. for it. I was just going to say the other thing that I thought was hilarious was when late in the game, I think Kyle Walker ended up taking a free kick and it was trash. The the city players are in a huddle and Cole Palmer just like sneaks yeah. into the huddle yeah. and Holland has to like push him off. He was laughing. Holland was laughing. But like things like that, like we 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 loved Diego Costa for doing things like that, but that truly does change the game, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it builds a little bit of a of like an image, like these guys aren't gonna be messed with. Like you can't yeah. Like, like, if, like if we're saucy soft, said, the saucy said after the match, like we're not afraid of anyone. Like that's and he that's, posted a picture of him with Kyle Walker. Said we're not afraid yeah, of anybody. Yeah, yeah. I was waiting for him to do the like the basketball thing you see oh, people the, do. Like yeah, he's too small. He's too small. <laughs> yeah, but but for yeah, real, like I think that that's something that it, it made me feel like I feel like such an old ass saying like the Chelsea of old, right? Like the fucking mm-hmm. like that's what you need, man. Like you. As you as somebody that coaches youth soccer, like I try to teach nine year olds to have this like bite, this grit, and like it's like God, y'all need to watch these games on TV and see things like this. Like you need to have this in in, in this top level. Like you can't just be nice guy, fucking quiet little teacher's pet all the time. Like you need to have your moments where you just get your fucking feet in the dirt. You know, I don't know. Like you just got to have these moments, and I just thought that moment where like everyone was all over each other, like pushing and, and shoving, like you, you have to have that fight in you at all times. And, and we're showing it again. Far cry oh, from yeah, last man. year. I, I don't know if you guys remember, but there was an instant last year where Connor Gallagher was on the floor and the whole, the, the other team, I don't remember who it was, was surrounding him and getting in his face and not a single Chelsea player came to his defense. Yeah. I mean, we have come such a long way from that. Like we legitimately have, at least yeah. in this match, Kukurea, Desasi, and Gallagher, we had three complete shithousers on the pitch. It's it's that they're they're priceless. You re- you really can't put a value on them. I think, man, we we needed a performance like that. We needed an episode like this. Um, but I'm 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 happy. I think we're all happy. This international break could not have come at a worse time. But how many times have we said the, that this season? <laughs> yeah. No, sometimes I, I I was happy to have an international break, but um, I just hope the vibes carry over. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll be gone for uh, a week while we're on break. We'll be back uh, to preview the Newcastle match before. Um, make sure you uh, like, subscribe, whatever to our podcast if you don't already. Uh, spread the spread the word of our great gospel. Um, Follow us on Twitter at Blues on Parade Podcast. We, uh, after every match, we post a tweet asking for questions. And as you guys heard, we read them all on air. Um, so enjoy your guys' international break. I know I will. And until next episode, keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>